glad you're with us wherever you are. If you're joining us on the airwaves here in Santa Barbara, California, where we're sitting, we welcome you. Uh, Good Life Now can be seen. It's prime time every day, every weekday, 4 to 5 p.m. on TVSB and on Sundays at 4.30. So we, we love uh, that so many of you are joining us. There's new episodes every day. So uh, we've got so many great guests. And so we see many of you joining us now at the podcast, which is Good Life Conversations, as well as the YouTube channel and goodlifetelevision.org and social media. You can find us pretty much everywhere. So we're so glad you're, you're finding us. And we're talking about the good stuff. When we're talking to real people, we're keeping it real. Uh, but we're also, we get to choose what we focus on, and so we're trying to focus on the good stuff, and that's what we're here to do today, and so I'm grateful we're actually inside the studios of TVSB today, so it's a rare occasion, but it's, uh, it's fun to be here in downtown Santa Barbara, and I'm really excited about my guest, Mark Alvarado, is with me. Welcome, sir. Hey, good afternoon. How are you? Great to, to have you. Yes. I've been reading all about you. I, I you know, it's, uh, it's amazing when you, and I, if you're like me, I, I love hearing kind of the, the, the real authentic sto- great stories. Yes. And somebody like you, I mean, just reading about you last night and today, I, I, I realized, you know, we, we're all walking around all day long and we see all these people, we don't, but we don't really know what, what's the story here. And, you know, it's, it's somebody, a mentor of mine once said, he's like, Dean, it's like everyone you see is like a walking book. But if you took the time to sit down and crack it open, you'd learn, you know, and you'd discover why somebody is the way they are. Or what, And so it was, it was just fascinating for me to read about you. Well, Born and you. raised here, mm-hmm. you're a Santa Barbara High School Don, you're an sure. athlete, mm-hmm. you had this journey. Take us back, if you would. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were just, before we came on, we were talking about the Santa Barbara Dons. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I know sports were big for you, mm-hmm. but t- take us back to those days. Well, you know, I'd like to go back in the beginning, um, the farm worker time, because my mom came out of the farm worker movement, and my dad was established here in California, as you know, many generations. Yeah. So there's, there was the amalgamation of kind of two cultures, right? Because in my dad's side, there was no Spanish spoken. Jazz was the music, right? And it was very much an eclectic, kind of an American experience back for him growing yeah. up in the... 40s and 50s, and so we had that foundation. Then on my mom's side, we had the ranchera music and the parties and family <laughs> and all these kind of things. And so it was a combination of that. So it was kind of like two storms coming together also. Huh. And I think that's a good way to describe uh, my early upbringing was being raised in a household like that. So um, there was a lot to, to, to draw from, but there was a lot of challenges as well. Yeah. Yeah, and that was right here in Santa Bar in Santa Barbara. We we I was actually born in Santa Maria, but we were just there for just a spell. Okay. I think they picked a row of strawberries and then they came they came to yeah. Santa Barbara the, the next uh, the next day. But that's just kind of a, a anecdotal thought. But anyhow, no, yeah. But I came. I was been in Santa Barbara since the age of two. Okay. And so my dad was a furniture merchant here in Santa Barbara. He owned a few furniture stores on State Street. And so I actually grew up on State Street. Huh. We lived out in Goleta, and so we were always coming. And so I've always been a big part of the Santa Barbara community from, from ever since, you know, from yeah. a long time. Yeah. And you played with the great Randall Cunningham. I yes, think. yes. Randall was our, our quarterback in high school, so it was football and basketball, and he ran track. And, and we knew back in those days that Randall was going to go on to do great things, just like his brother Sam. And it's just been an honor 
to be associated with the Cunningham family and just yeah. to come having that pride with us, stick with us all the way up until today. Yeah. Yeah. And what did sports, how is sports, how, what did sports do for you in terms of your upbringing? Well, you know, it gave you a sense of identity. It gave you a sense of responsibility. It gave you the opportunity to perform. It gave you the opportunity to be somebody. And I was really fortunate that I had older uncles on my mom's side that were recruited to be um, a baseball player and another one to be a basketball player. So they had college scholarships. And at that time in the 60s, that was a big deal for Chicano kids to get scholarships and to be looking at pro scouts in baseball and whatnot. And so growing up, I always saw the pitchers and the trophies, you know, when I was real small. And so always aspired to kind of follow in those footsteps. But then when you get there, you know, the work comes in, right? right. And, and I was a big kid growing up, big lanky kid, awkward, couldn't tie my shoes and chew gum <laughs> at the same time. And so it was very challenging for me, but um, I was det determined and, and, and to do something with, with, with sports in my life, as that being a part of, of being successful as a young man and, and, and hustling, I think I really pride myself on those. Just yeah. kind of always going after it, you know? Right. Yeah. The, 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 that's a great quality. Sometimes I wonder if that's missing in today's situation a little bit, but that that kind of get it, you know, what what do you do? I do whatever it takes. Yeah, you got to you got to want to go out there, and you, I mean, there's a practicing element, but then there's the game element. Yeah. They're two different things, but they come together as one when that moment happens. So. Did you coach at all? Yeah, I did coach. I coached at Santa Barbara High School. Um, I wasn't a head basketball coach. I was really fortunate to be the head coach of the of the freshman team and which was a team that went undefeated and players that went on to do great things and, and, and they're further along and, and that was a great experience because when you're the coach of the freshman team, it's, it's all just you and the kids. Maybe a couple parents that'll help out driving, right? right? right, right. This is when the time of budget cuts, when there weren't a lot of buses and vans and so you were just looking to parents to, to get kids from, a, you know, from point A to point B and so it was a great experience working and coaching with kids and I've done a lot of that different capacities. I've worked with Special Olympics over the years, YMCA's, and just always trying to, uh, boys club, I coached at the boys club for a lot of years, and there was a lot of fun times doing that stuff. So yeah, coaching is, it's always good to give back because you never know who's watching you. You never know who's looking that's at you. Right. You know what I mean? And, and that's one thing that when I came back to Santa Barbara after I left, a guy came up to me one day, a young uh, Mexican-American kid, and he says, you're Mark Alvarado, right? And I said, yeah. And he goes, he goes, I want to thank you. I'm like, why? And he's all, because when I was young, I used to watch you play. My dad used to go take me to watch you play, and I ended up being an all-CIF point guard for the Dons. And it was because really? I was inspired by you. And I was like, whoa. That, wow. Yeah, and that's happened to me a couple times. Because, you know, when you're a, a, a minority kid amongst this situation, you don't really think about it. You're just doing. You're just yeah, working, right, you know? Right. You don't know who's watching you. So that's one of my messages to people. It's like, you don't, people are watching you. That's true. Irregardless of what you're doing. I did one season of freshman basketball coaching okay. for my little brother, my oh. not so little brother, my younger brother. Uh -huh. Yeah, it was it was subpar, but uh, I learned a lot. But I did hear from a lot of parents, and I can well, tell you that. I was fortunate to play in college, in junior college, and I had a very good coach who was a bulldog. Where, where? At, up at Allen Hancock College. Okay, I okay. played for a guy named Bobby White, and uh, Bobby White had played at Cal, and he was a Pac-10 player. And, very intense guy, right? And I can't do it for you guys. You got to go out there and do it yourselves, right? <laughs> that kind of attitude. But um, but I learned a lot about the game and about life in general. And so I always try to, you know, give back a little bit of what I yeah. learned. Yeah. Life's not easy. 
you know, mm -mm. As, as we've learned. Mm -mm. And anybody who's, you know, you, I, I guess sometimes, you know, you, you think things are going to go one way and then you have to decide what you're going to do when they don't. Not everything has been smooth sailing for you. Mm -mm. You've, you've had challenges. You had, mm -hmm. Talk to us a little bit about that, whatever you're... Yeah, you know, I, I think it's important that I share that, you know, because, you know, um, being raised in a home that eventually turned into a very dysfunctional home um, from a very young age, always struggling from, I mean, my first memory, and it's sad to say, is hearing my parents argue, you know, and fighting. That's like my first memory in life, really, you know. And I remember covering my head with the pillow to drown out the sound. I remember that. So... Um, so growing up in that kind of environment and having older brothers and, and sisters, seeing them struggle and them kind of putting it back down on me because I'm the youngest and so I kind of struggled with that growing up. And so um, you grow up quickly in a lot of ways, but in other ways you don't grow up at all. Oh. You know, you don't grow up at all. And so um, I, I learned um, because of the environment that I was in that, you know, there were certain things that you could do to survive versus thriving, right? And so you either thrive or you survive, right? And so for somehow I was able to mix those things as I became a teenager, but they can creep up on you and the survival stuff. And so I started, I started drinking at a very young age. I started drinking at a very young age and it was more of a self-medicated thing that gradually grew into a, a bad habit as an adult. Yeah. So that was something that I've already I've overcome that and I realized that. And I think that's why I'm able to do what I do today is because I, I, I know kind of those pitfalls for young people and for adults, and you can't judge anybody. Everybody's got to kind of have to go through their own thing, but that was a huge challenge for me growing up. Um, and then also within all of that, there were some certain mental health issues that got involved with my upbringing and, and didn't really allow me the best chances for you know, academic excellence. I was always a decent student, but never knew that I was suffering from attention deficit disorder when I was... A, a kid all the way up until I was 52 years old is when it was finally diagnosed, wow. right? And so, and always wondering why I struggled with budget spreadsheets when I had million dollar budgets in front of me and people were looking at me like, what's wrong with you, you know what I mean? And I was still trying to plow through, right? right. That whole survival wow. instinct, right? And so, but now, you know, you learned it's, it's, it's skills, not pills, right? You have to learn how to adjust to these adversities and not you know, get into a dark corner and allow yourself to stay there because that's where nothing's going to happen. And but I'm just this because getting back to this hustle attitude, right? Yeah. That I was I, I wasn't going to let it get to me to the point to where I wasn't going to be effective anymore. I knew that I had enough wits, skill, knowledge, intelligence to overcome certain things. It just had to be a practice of, of um, not perfection, but a practice of patience, you know. Yeah. And also faith, God, you know, you yeah. got to get on your knees and you got to open up and you got to say, hey, man, I can't do this alone. That's right. And I'm sorry that I, I'm sorry that I, you know, I turned my back on you. Yeah. But, you know, I got on my knees one day and I just opened up my arms and I just said, hey, man, take me in. And, uh, and it worked. Yeah. And it was it was kind of a trip to the way to see things happen when you find complete sobriety and you see how certain things in your life come before you. They were always there, but they were kind of clouded. But then all of a sudden they're brilliant and they're in front of you and they're there for the taking. You just got to uh, do the work. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? And so I, I've been experiencing that over the last few years and it's been a great experience. Surrender. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've, I've been down this road too and I, you know, 
sometimes I'll, I'll, somebody will say, you know, why do people, you know, 108,000 people died of a drug overdose in right. 2021. And sometimes I think the question can be, well, why, why? You know, why is this happening? Why do people drink? Why do people use these? And my first answer is because it works for a while. <laughs> you know what I mean? Most definitely. It works until it doesn't. <laughs> you know, and, and people are like, and fundamentally, I mean, people, nobody wakes up and says, I think I'll try to destroy my life this morning. People are just trying to make it through. And the truth is, it works until it doesn't. Right. And unfortunately, you have to reach that point sometimes. And I'm, I'm thankful that I was able, not to able to do it on my own 100%, but that I was able to get these recognitions on my own and then seek out support, faith support, whatever you have you. Yeah. But the thing with all of that is that it's a... Um, it's a it's a functional dysfunctional habit along the way because you're able to function, you're right. able to do what you need to do, but and you look back and you're like, God, I could have done that so much better. Yeah, you know, and, or and, I know, wasted so much time on oh, that. Oh, you know, all sure. of that. But I and I, you know, I had my own experience, my mm -hmm. own fog. But when you said that, that's that's I resonate with, really with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Things come alive, like like I remember kind of going smells. Or mm -hmm. I remember kind of going, man, that grass is green. Did I know? Was that there before? You know, but it was almost like colors and food and like the senses. Because you, I think with anything like this, it dulls, it deadens, it can deaden a person over time. Well, yeah, we see it all the time where people just, uh, you know, they, they have no, they're just a, a shell. And the, yeah. everything is just kind of just been surped out of them. And it's very sad. And you wonder, like, well, what makes them different from, from me, or why can't, or why can't they, right? And you always ask that, why can't? And 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 I think it's science in a certain way, but also I think it's it's spiritual in a lot of ways because I I I was my I was raised in a very spiritual environment amongst everything, right? So I always had that. I've always had that with me, and I've always believed in that. But when you surrender, that spirituality comes alive in a different way, right. and it reinforces all of your beliefs and all your ideas and knowing that all of a sudden that when you think with your heart versus thinking with the mind, because the mind is a very mischievous thing. It's very creative, very intelligent, very manipulative. It'll tell you, right. it'll make you believe all kinds of crazy stuff, right? right. Yes. But if you put things in your heart, then... Yeah. You're starting to deal with, deal with the purity of your soul and your spirit. Yeah. And those things are really, really what can touch people like you and I talking. Right. That's what's, you yeah. know, this conversation isn't by chance. I believe right. that. I believe right. we're having this reason for this conversation, right? right? right. Because it's, it's reinforcing everything that we're talking about. Yeah. Do you get to talk, speak places? Do you get to share your journey with kids? Or I'm, I'm getting there. I'm, I mean, I'm coming out of there. Yeah, I'm, getting, I'm getting there. Um, I, have, I'm, I just um, was on NPR. On the storytellers, yeah, oh. and and so I, I I volunteer annually down in El Paso, Texas, at a camp, and I'm the music director of the camp. I'm a professional musician as well, and so I'm able to to talk there and and. But as far as talking to groups, it's it's coming. I think that this this is like the yeah. the introduction. I think we that we're going to use that. this as a platform. That's right. And so we're going to yeah. just move forward on there. Yeah, but I for like sure. that idea. Yeah. So let's talk about your music. And I, so so you, um, Mark. So you worked at, in government. You yeah. worked. You, you had this career, and then during COVID, is my understanding, is when really this vision for one community or one was one, one, one community, community bridge, bridge project. Yeah. yeah. 
So let me just back up just a little bit. Yeah. So I, like I said, my dad was a jazz head. My mom had all the Mexican music and my brothers were into the soul and the rock and my sister, the reggae. So it was all kinds of music going on all <laughs> over the place. My dad used to know when we took the needle off of his record to play our records because he used to leave the needle right where he stopped listening to go to work or whatever. So he'd come back, hey, who played my record player, right? He was that, he used to, he was that, he was that meticulous. But anyhow, so I just grew up in a household of music, and, and, and on my mom's side, they were professional singers, okay? They were professional mariachi singers, I mean, big voice people, right? And so I was blessed with that, yeah. with that gene. And so you talk to my friends that have known me all my life, they're like, yeah, Mark's just doing what Mark does, because that's, I've always been singing. And so um, thankfully, I got some skills, took some classes, some vocal classes, Started bands and did all kinds of I've done all kinds of recordings, productions, festivals, you name it. You know, I've been a part of a lot of different things over the years. But when I stopped working for the government, I call it, you know, uh, early retirement because I'm not retired fully, but just to get that out of the way and get into something that's more serving for Mark mm -hmm. and for the community and for what I'm doing. And so, um, there's a study, the University of Pennsylvania did a study in New York and they studied all the five boroughs and what's their connection to the Met, what's their connection to Broadway, what's their connection to all the great things that New York City, the Big Apple has to offer. And a lot of the narratives came back like they had no connection. Hmm. They had no connection to those things. So I'm thinking about Santa Barbara and I'm thinking about the kids that we work with in the neighborhood, how much of a connection they have with the Bowl, the Granada, the Arlington, music of the West, right? And it's the same thing. Huh. It's the same thing, there's not a huge connection and so I figured, well, we need to start to build capacity within the neighborhoods around the cultural arts so people could find an academic pathway through the arts for success because not every kid, you know, has those opportunities. So that's kind of the, the concept of the One Community idea. Bridge Project. Yeah, so I use my musical yeah. background and I work with kids. You, you would love to come in there and just see the kids and when we start getting into it and they just... Very simple, you know, we, we just, we go over different, different patterns of music or syncopations. I introduce all the different popular music from the 50s, from the jazz. I stop around the mid 90s because that's kind of where I drop out with popular music. Yeah, I'm but, with you. but you know what I mean? But yeah. that canon from the early 50s to the mid 90s really, and the kids all resonate with it. You know? I love that. Yeah, so that's what I do. And now I know who God gave my voice to, by the way. Yeah. And, if I uh, had your voice, Man, I could do some stuff. Well, you know, and uh, it's 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 uh, it's a responsibility. Let me put it no, to you that way. Do you ever do voiceover work? Uh, no, I'm, I'm giving you all these career yeah, ideas. Well, I mean, if you want to help me find, find me, metal, find, but, find, you know. find me a publicist. We'll, we'll figure it out. You, know? <laughs> you definitely could do voiceover work. Yeah, yeah that's you. a gift. That's a god. Yeah, gift. it is. You know, all of that. And just like I say, but going back to the self-medicating and all these, you don't really, you know, you're yeah. just surviving. You're just surviving. You're not thriving. Totally. You know. And we really. We have a problem, I think, with this drug thing, and the, the the COVID thing, I think, exacerbated a lot of the isolation. But, but it's amazing how addiction by itself isolates. Yeah, because there's because what happens a lot of times is that people internalize it and they think that there's something wrong with them. Right. When there's nothing wrong with them, right. they've just become a host to this thing for a variety of different reasons. Yeah. Right. right. Even even started in in the womb. Right. We don't even know, yeah, right? Yeah, and I right. see it working with kids today. I see kids, or I see myself. Yeah. You know, I, I literally see myself. And so it's really working 
with a therapeutic lens with people versus working at, uh, from a disciplinary lens, especially with young kids. You know, it, it, a lot of kids, they shut down because maybe what's going on at home, on their life, they shut down. And you get them in the classroom, it's not like a light switch that you can just switch on and then they're on. Okay, I'm ready right, to learn. It's right. not like that right, right, right. for kids. And so if they feel threatened or if a person feels threatened, they're just going to shut down and they're going to do whatever they can to feel safe. Yeah. And so that's part of addiction. Yeah. Right. And the, you know, the, the whole this whole fentanyl thing and the whole there's so much of it that can be hidden and then and, you know and I think you know I believe in God very strongly and I also believe that there's another force that's working on the other side absolutely and if you can isolate somebody and get them alone where they where they're not hearing somebody else say hey no you're not a bad guy yeah we can do this yeah because when you say it out loud to another person you say hey here's the deal I'm not okay. Yeah. Like, you know, and then that person can say, well, I'm with you. Let's figure this out. All of a sudden, we got a chance. If I'm alone in an apartment somewhere, shut down with the blinds drawn, yeah. it's tough. Right. And the other piece of that, too, is that when a person is, is confronted that way or in a, in a therapeutic situation or therapy or what have you, it's not about really fixing the person. It's about restoring what was taken away from I them. Totally you know agree. what I mean? And a lot of, so that sometimes it's a taboo to, of going to AA or getting therapy or whatever. And it's not, and it's, is there something wrong with me? No. And, and so a lot of it is how we present it in, in, yeah. in the media, how we present it in public, yeah. you know, and uh, it's, it's, it's really a, a situation where I've learned over the years that you're right. It's a one-on-one -on -one situation until that person is ready to say, okay, right. yeah. I need help, or they they can do it on their own. But it's 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 a difficult. Good luck. Diff, yeah, it's a difficult. AA experience. may be the greatest organization known to man in human history. I, I I'm not kidding. I, AA I think is the closest thing to the actual church, because imagine a place where you stumble in, and you know we've seen all kinds, and it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. Is it? You know what I mean? The acceptance. The acceptance of, of, of who you are and not necessarily what you are, if right. that makes any sense. But everybody calls the BS, too. Like, there's no, you can't fool people there. Oh, no, no. Everybody's on point there. But, you know, the, 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 few, the few times I went, they wanted me to start running the meetings right away. I said, hey, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I just got here. You know, <laughs> you know, I spoke one time and they say, they, they say hey, you want to run the meeting? I'm like, hey, I just got here, man. <laughs> you know, and so, but I, what was interesting about that experience was, to see the veterans, the guys that had yeah. been in there for 30, 40 years and who stuck with it and believed it, and like I say, like a religion, like a church, and them you know, offering their advice to the younger people or the people that were coming in that were needing extra, extra love. And so, yeah, it, 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 it works. It works. Yeah, yeah. It works. the gift of desperation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an amazing mm -hmm. thing. So what's your vision for this project? So right now, it's, it's, it's a situation where I'm very fortunate that I have a, an agreement with the school district to work in schools. I'm very fortunate that I don't have transportation needs, I don't have uh, facility needs because I can do everything in school, after school, summer. So really what it is is to introduce these different concepts of music to the children. Fifth grade to ninth grade is usually my window. And once they start to express an interest in an instrument, then getting the resources to bring in the master musicians to teach them piano, teach them guitar, right? And okay. teach them dance, teach them art, whatever it might be. 
And so that's really my vision for the program and, and to build it that way and to knock on doors and say, hey, do you want to support this program because it's going to pay for this and not necessarily for a building, for right. transportation, because a lot of funders, you know, they just, and I get it. I've been doing this stuff for a long time. Yeah. It's, it's, and also to your numbers. I, I, when people say, oh, yeah, we serve 350 kids. Well, how can you measure the impact of that? Versus saying we, we serve 15, 20 kids, and yeah. we can tell you their academic differences, their social emotional differences, their behavioral right. differences, right. parent engagement, right? All of these things. And so I believe in working in smaller numbers and having more of an impact that way versus, um, to, oh, yeah, we're going to serve the whole. Yeah, right. The whole it's one at a time. Yeah. The music is a powerful thing. Oh, absolutely. It really is. I, yeah. And I know it's connected to the brain. I've learned a little bit about that. But in terms of what music does for a kid, it's well beyond. I, I mean, I've seen what, what what the Turner Foundation has done with their housing authority program, with the with the high school kids that you guys work with, and I've I've worked with some of those kids in school, and then oh, I've really? seen them working with David Rojas yeah. on stage, and I'm like, wow, it's incredible. Wow, I know. You know what I mean? And it's just it is, and it's it's a beautiful. That's a great program. Yeah, that's a great program. Yeah, David. But I'm I'm kind of with the younger kids. Get them ready. Yeah. Get them yeah. ready for David. Yeah, <laughs> I, I still I told I keep telling those guys I need piano lessons. It's never too late. Oh, never. That was one thing that <laughs> that's one thing that that's one thing that um, I can't remember what music teacher told me that. But no matter what age, you can always learn an instrument. Yes. You always learn an instrument. You can do. Yeah. Whatever I still it is. I still have a dream that I could hey. do piano. Someday I'll play the piano. I don't well, know. the thing with that is, do you have to? Do you have one at home? Yes. Okay. Well, then you just need to block out the time. I know. And you got to find the time. I could be doing Sweet Caroline. You never know. I can't believe we're already almost out of time. How how can people find you? Is there? Is, do you have a website up? Or is yeah, we have the. It's onecommunitysb.org. It's a onecommunitysb.org. One org. Dot org. Dot, we'll put that up. Dot org. Yeah. And then so 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 raising money, thinking about equipment. It sounds like a, a one need. Well, I, I do have I do have the infrastructure. Thank God I got a, I got a uh, an award from the Bull Foundation. And so they, oh, nice. they, they funded, uh, they've been funding us the last couple, first they got us settled up with some equipment, then they helped me last year with some teaching money, so they're asking me again. So I'm going to be looking again for this year to get some money to work with um, students, and then I'm working on another project with the Youth Wilderness Project. Oh, nice. Yeah, on working with some of the other kids that have more of the uh, behavioral challenges and some of the violence that we've been seeing in the community. We're trying to do some preventative work with kids that are kind of... Um, Influenced by gang culture, you know, street mentality, and, and getting some, some positive reinforcement for those children because some of those kids don't get any of that. Yeah. Ah, oh, so great. You're doing God's work, man. Well, thank God that um, we're still here to do it. That's know, right. You know, I'm so grateful. I'm, I'm honored. I love I'm honored. it. I'm honored. Mark Alvarado, everybody. Look him up. OneCommunitySB.org is the website. If you're interested in music, kids, I really believe in what this, uh, what this guy's doing. Great to meet you. Right on. Yeah. Good, Dean. Once a Don, always a Don. <laughs> I'll be at the Don's baseball game later today. Well, I prefer that's where legends are made. That's right. Yeah. Mark Alvarado is one of them. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you.